Hi, and welcome to episode 79 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking about all of the great stuff coming out with iOS 11.3 that's expected this spring, and also talk about great apps, best gear, and all of our usual stuff. Also, I want to say I'm happy to be back on the show. Yay! Yay. We're really happy to have Donna yes. back after two months in California. Yeah, I've been we working. don't know how to podcast without you, Donna. I've been a mess as a as a, the person who's trying to lead it, so I'm glad to have you keep us organized. Well, I've been editing it, and I've been watching, and David, I think you did a good job. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> so before we jump into the episode, we want to talk about our sponsor, Antenna79. Yes, and actually, I want to just pause before talking about sponsor and have a quick kind of big picture podcast disclaimer. We got a few emails about our sound quality in a recent episode. What happened was our mic died on us midway through an episode. Major (laughs) mic fail. Yeah, Donna from California heroically edited the sound for every time Sarah talked, it turned up the sound because her mic had died. We're putting a lot of energy into improving the sound quality on the show and improving the video quality on the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We always love the feedback, by the way. Yeah, so we appreciate definitely it. definitely keep sending us the feedback. Let us know what you think this episode, because I don't know if you guys, if you're watching, hopefully you can tell we've totally redone our studio. I, I think the, it looks a lot better. We'd love to hear from you. Hopefully we sound really clear as well. Okay, yeah, with, so we're working on it, and yeah, keep giving us your feedback. Yes, it's shockingly hard to have really good sound quality and really good video so we work really hard on it we're investing a lot of money into it so hopefully it's paying off uh and feel free to give us your feedback on it so moving right along to our sponsor our first sponsor for today is brink uh brink has a great case because first of all it's a sleek uh, slim profile case that still protects your phone, but what they do differently than anyone else in the industry is they also protect you from your phone, not just <laughs> your phone from you. Uh, so what they do is they basically protect you from radiation. So this case reduces exposure um, to your cell phone radiation by up to 67%. And what I love about Brink is it's scientific. So side tangent here uh my mom is very concerned about radiation and she growing up would always take these little tiny stickers and put them on the back of the phones i don't know have you guys seen those yeah Mm -mm. completely not scientific uh except for maybe placebo so so this on the other hand and so there's a lot of solutions out there that are pseudoscience and not very good and it's given the industry a bad name this on the other hand is scientifically backed and how it works is uh, on the case, they're, uh, basically, it's designed to reflect the radiation away from you. So when you hold the phone to your ear, the radiation is deflected away from you. Um, so make sure you check it out. We'll put a link to it in the podcast notes. Yeah, one cool thing about it is that a lot of the cases block the the EMF signal or block the mm-hmm. signal, but then your phone actually has to work harder trying to search for a signal, whereas this just like deflecting it away allows your phone to still work as yeah. it should. And not only does working harder cause more radiation, it also drains your battery and ruins your reception. So yeah. this is actually improving your reception, not draining your battery, and still protecting you. Yeah, so we'll definitely put a link in our podcast notes if you want to get one for yourself. 
Uh, next up, we want to talk about our tip of the day. If you sign up at iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you'll get one sent to your inbox every day that teaches you something you can do with your device in less than a minute. So it's awesome and free. Uh, so let's check out what tip did I add in today? How to quickly find, mark, and delete all emails from one sender on your iPhone. Um, <laughs> so this was a cool like little uh, a trick that most people wouldn't know. Um, I sign up for a lot of newsletters that I actually don't want to unsubscribe from, but I can't keep up with all of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times if it's like a clothing store, for instance, I don't want to look at their old promotions. And so I really can ease, like happily delete all of my old emails from them without deleting anything important. So to do this, you open your mail app, you uh, go to the search bar in your all inboxes inbox, search for the name of the sender. And there, usually you would just tap edit and delete delete emails one by one here. But if you press and hold the move button after tapping the check mark next to one of the emails, if you press and hold the move button and then untap the little circle next to that email, and then a little screen will pop up and you tap the trash icon, it will actually delete all of the emails that were in that list that you just pulled up from that sender. That's cool. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if I described it that well. Again, we'll put the <laughs> link in the blog post. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, and you can learn to do that for yourself. I but it was just one of those like nice little tricks that most people wouldn't yeah, know about. I, a, I didn't know that. Uh, and B, one of the most common requests we get and comments we get is about email management. So it's nice yes. to kind of give people a little more tools for how to do that sort of thing. I know. I mean, I have so many important emails that I don't want to delete. So I know a lot of people want to just be able to delete all of their emails and I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. But something like this that still helps me cut down on some of that junk mail mm -hmm. is helpful. I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of not bothering to delete unread emails. <laughs> I just have hundreds of thousands of emails that are just sitting there unread, but it works for me. <laughs> yeah, everyone, you do you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I've missed some really important life-changing emails because of like them getting lost under like, you know, subscription emails from like clothing stores like Donna said. Oh yeah, oh yeah, me too, me too. I, I, I like to keep on top of my emails. <laughs> yeah, it's a conundrum. So iphonelife.com slash daily tips and you can get tips like that sent to your inbox every day for free. Uh, next, we want to talk to you about our iPhone Life Insider subscription. This is our premium subscription that teaches you all the cool things you can do with your iPhone uh, with guides, also with Ask an Editor, where you can send Sarah your tech-related questions and she'll help you out. Uh, also, you get video versions of all of the tips, so it walks you through so you can't miss anything. It makes it really easy. Um, and also a digital subscription to the magazine. So you get all of our back issues, our entire archive of iPhone Life magazine. So Sarah's gonna share with us one of the insider questions that was sent to her recently. Okay, this is a question about the Apple Watch. I have a second generation Apple Watch. Is there a way to close an app so it does not show when I press the bottom right button? And it took me a little while to figure out that by bottom right button, he meant the side button, um, which oh. is the oblong, Oh, yeah. It's you know, bo button. bottom right. Yeah, I, I got yeah. it. I got I see, it. because I have mine yeah. in a different <laughs> orientation. Um, 
I would like to only keep a couple selected apps running so I can press the side button and see the three or four that I want to use. If I want to open another app, I can easily press the upper large button, by which he means the, uh, the digital crown, which would open up the selection of all the apps on your watch. Um, so that list of apps that he's talking about is um, called the dock. And so the dock on your Apple Watch is really handy because you press that and you can either see your most recently used apps or you can select, um, and this is what he wants to do, you can select your favorite apps that you want to just always be able to get to right away. Um, and the best way to do that is to open the watch app on your iPhone and in the My Watch tab, scroll down until you come to dock. And then in the dock section, um, tap on favorites if it if there's not already a check mark next to it and then um and then you can uh i think you tap edit um yes and then there'll be two lists there's a list of uh of apps that are already on your watch and there's a, in the dock and there's a list of apps that aren't and so you can tap the red circle to remove things from the dock and you can tap the green circle to add things and once you have the apps that you want to appear in your dock, you can also, in the section of apps that are included, um, press and hold and then drag the little horizontal bars to move the apps so that you can choose which apps you see first in the dock when you press the side button on your watch. And sometimes when you make changes on your watch, it doesn't always show up right away, um, you know, from the watch app on your phone to your watch. So if that doesn't happen right away, you can usually fix that by turning your watch on and off. Although at this point it should just update, but it was more of a problem when the watch was newer. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But if that happens, that's the solution. I found in general, a lot of times when you make changes, you have to restart your phone. I'm struggling right now to think of examples, but restart your phone for it to take effect. Like sharing a list and reminders. I notice, like if you, if I do that, I do that sometimes with my husband, then he'll have to restart his phone in order for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Or you're doing something between devices, like like your example here. I, what I struggle with a lot in a, uh, Mac, or, or uh, Apple is supposed to fix this, and they haven't yet, is on my Mac computer, my text messages lag so much. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I can never, I'll see it buzz on my phone, and I'll want to, like, answer it on my computer, because I'm on my computer, and I have to wait, like, 20 minutes for it to catch up. Yeah, I hate crazy. that. It's very annoying. But this was a funny uh, insider question because I had the same or very similar question yesterday. I was, oh. at, I was at the gym and I pushed the uh, button, the oblong button. and Side button. Side button. The, uh, and it brought up my most recent. And I was like, ah, I thought it was supposed to bring up my favorites. And I didn't have a chance to look into it. So there you go. Happy to help, David. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I'm going to start emailing you my tech-related questions. <laughs> there you go. So check out Insider at iPhoneLife.com slash Insider. Uh, we wanted to share some questions or some answers that you guys sent to us from last episode. Last episode was our iOS 12 episode where we shared features that we were hoping mm -hmm. to see. And so we got some good responses from you guys. Uh, here we go. I would love to be able to erase all of my emails at once from Shirley. Uh, and then we got a few people were, who said yeah. that. Yeah, and I understand. I mean, back to the earlier point, it would be really nice just for peace of mind, but I also know there's valuable stuff in there I wouldn't <laughs> want to delete. But you know, I mean, the method the method you talked about for uh, deleting 
all of the emails from a particular sender can actually be used to delete, say, all of your unread messages or, you know, you can batch delete large numbers of emails using that same method you were talking about. Right, which is so hidden, like you just... Right. And it's almost kind of like a little workaround that it, is. it would be nice to just be able to have something that said delete all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It seems so silly. God, it would stress me out so much to delete all my emails. I can't I even tell you how stressful that would be for me. <laughs> I know. Uh, another one. I really miss the backward and forward arrows on the keyboard when you turn it to landscape mode. That was super convenient and not sure why they ever removed it. Dave... Dave wrote that, which I, yeah. It was funny because they drove me crazy. (laughs) Really? Uh, Well, I think the reason why they deleted it is they had a whole bunch of extra, like, arrows and buttons when you went into landscape mode, and it made the keyboard smaller. Mm -hmm. And so I think they deleted it to make the keyboard larger, which I liked because not only did I dislike having a smaller keyboard when I was in landscape mode, I also kept accidentally hitting those arrows and doing weird things, so. I feel like I did too, yeah. I feel like. I wasn't aware that anyone ever used the landscape keyboard because it's so annoying to use. Mm-hmm. I'm like shocked by it's you guys. Nice. It's big. <laughs> it's I don't like it. <laughs> you guys are just wrong for using it. <laughs> we are disagreeing with our readers and each other today. Yeah. We also we, our readers are always right, complaints. but you guys are wrong. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll accept that. So we have some iOS 10. I mean, iPhone 10 complaints as well. There's so much to admire about the iPhone 10, but as someone who's used every iPhone since they came out, I'm still not sure that much has truly was truly accomplished by eliminating the home button. It's different and has a certain elegance, but after several months of youth, use, I have to ask, is it better? Does it make my day-to-day user experience more efficient? My reluctant answer, no. For me, it just makes the experience different. Do our readers always have to be right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I agree with him somewhat. I, I agree that the home button added value in removing it. At, like I think Apple did a good job having a UI without a home button, but there was a convenience to having the home button. But the reason why they removed it to me clearly also has a benefit, which is that you can have a, a screen that is about the size of an iPhone 8 Plus and a form factor that's about the size of an iPhone 8. Mm-hmm. And that screen, having a screen that's edge-to-edge display is a trade-off that's worth it to me. Now, I totally understand it not being a trade-off that's worth it to everybody. Yeah. He, he went on to say, and one thing I truly dislike about iPhone 10. once a day or so, I pick up my iPhone and I'm not sure if it's turned off or on. With the home button, I was able to press it, and if nothing happened, I knew the phone was off and I might want to leave it off. But with iPhone 10, in order to see if the iPhone is on, I have to press the right side button. So... I wanted to include this because actually he, the Stephen who wrote in may not have tap to wake enabled on his iPhone. Yeah, I was wondering. Or about raise that. to wake. Yeah. Yeah. So I these are battery draining features, so this may be an intentional, you know, choice. But you can have raise to wake or tap to wake on, which I do find very convenient and mm-hmm. worth it because the iPhone 10 does already have a pretty good battery. I agree. Now it's it is a tricky trade off because I have found that raise to wake in particular does take up quite a bit of battery like surprisingly high amount of battery yeah. but I also have it on and find that feature worth it and it's certainly tap to wake if you don't have raised to wake it seems like you should have one or the other so you don't have to yeah. deal with what Steven is dealing with and these features I mean they sound like exactly what they are raised to wake means whenever you lift your phone that motion will turn on your phone it doesn't work 
100% of the time, but it's pretty good. And tap to wake, you just tap your screen and it lights up. Uh, so yeah, uh, our last... Oh, did I you... was just going to say, it's not turning on your phone, it's turning on your screen. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it just uh, wakes it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, and those are... Uh, we can link to how to do those things in the iphonelife.com slash podcast. Uh, they're in settings. I can't tell you exactly where without fiddling with my phone, but somewhere in settings, they're easy to adjust. I think it's in general. Um, our last our last comment of the week, on the average of twice a week when powering on my iPhone 8 Plus, my brightness is always way down to dim. This, of course, is no problem when I'm in a dimly lit room, dimly lit room, but when I'm in a well-lit room or outside, it's impossible to view the settings. The same problem occurred with my iPhone 7 Plus. I figured that with a new phone, the problem would be gone. And by the way, I did contact Apple support and I thought the problem was fixed, but it started up again within days of me talking to them. I actually have noticed this too. Really? Yeah. That sometimes when I power on my phone, I don't turn off my phone that often. Yeah. So it doesn't come up that much. But I have mm-hmm. noticed when I power it on, it's on. It's like down to the lowest brightness. Well, it's you know, in- now ahead. that you mentioned, I think I have noticed. I just very rarely turn my phone all the way off. Yeah, I, uh, me too. It's like once a month. Well, two the back-to-back readers just said that, and I agree. I never turn my phone off except for if I'm trying to restart it or right. if it dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, with part of what's going on here is that. With I think this is new to iOS 11, and I, I think it's only on iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and iPhone 10. Apple has a, a sensor, I think it's the sensors in the notch, that basically detects the uh, colors of the room. And so it adjusts the brightness and uh, screen colors to make it so you always have true white. Mm-hmm. Um, Rayanne, our, one of our editors, has complained about that feature. I, I love it uh, because so many times I had the reverse problem where I'll use my phone in a low in a low light setting and it'll be really bright. And Stabbing you in the eyes. Yeah. yeah. And then you'd kind of go and turn on the like um, the night mode. But sometimes it's not a night mode you want turned on. You just want to automatically adjust the temperature of the room. But she was having trouble because she was finding it was adjusting too frequently and also adjusting to not match what she wanted it to match. Mm. I actually have the problem where sometimes it's too bright for me even still, and I'll go and turn it down a little bit manually. Uh, So it's not perfect. It's trade-offs. Yeah, I wanted to suggest to this reader to or listener uh, to open Control Center because that's easier to get to than the settings app. Yeah, definitely. So depending on the phone you have, you either swipe up from the bottom or down from, if you have the iPhone 10, down from the right corner. And from there, you can adjust your brightness pretty easily. Yeah. Well, and another tip is you can turn off that feature. The feature yeah, that that's adjusts what I do. your screen temperature oh, you do? and, and mm-hmm. color. You I, you can turn it off if it's And set it you. manually. Yeah. And you can then go and set it manually, but then it won't, presumably it won't restart. Because that's why it's like you can turn it up. And then if you're in a dark room and you turn on your phone, it's going to turn down the brightness and maybe too far for you. We're always happy to hear from you guys. You can always email us at podcasts at iphonelife.com. And next, we'll move into our news section. We have iOS 11.3 coming out soon, and we also have the news that Apple bought textures. We could talk about that first. Um, uh, There was a press release, I think, earlier this week from Apple saying that they acquired textures, which is is a digital magazine. Is it textures or texture? I think it's texture. Texture. I think so. Uh, yeah, so Texture has been an interesting company in that it was, 
I'm pretty sure it was launched by a few of the major publisher brands. I think it was Condé Nats and Hearst and maybe Time all partnered for it. And how it worked was it was they build it as the Netflix of magazines. So you could kind of read articles as you wanted. You paid a one-time subscription. You could read whatever magazines you wanted. Uh, it hasn't really taken off, but it's an interesting thing to see Apple purchase them because Apple, when the iPad first came out, there was this kind of publishers. First of all, <laughs> this is obviously a topic that's near and dear to our hearts as publishers. Mm -hmm. uh, there was this kind of gold rush thinking that maybe iPads and tablets were going to save the industry and that everybody would just read magazines on their tablets now. And for a little while, it sort of worked that uh, Apple had something called they called Newsstand, which you could buy magazines and subscribe to magazines. Uh, and so everybody had their Newsstand app, and we, we had a Newsstand app. And then Apple, I think it was with iOS 7, killed off Newsstand altogether. So magazines still have apps, but they're just in the normal app store. Um, and they don't get featured as much. They don't have a separate app. They don't have an easy way to get promoted. And as a result, throughout the industry, digital magazine sales have declined. So this is an interesting move because A, it's a new format for at least for Apple to sell magazine subscriptions. And B, it's, it's signaling that Apple hasn't given up on magazines and they're going to try to sell them. So certainly it's exciting news to us, uh, and stay tuned. We'll, we'll try to figure out how to work with Apple on this one. Uh, also, side comment, we do have an app if you do want to read the magazine digitally. Uh, of course, you can get it through the Insider program, but you can also just, if you go to iphonelife.com slash app, it'll take you to the App Store where you can download and read our magazine. Uh, but it's just interesting to see Apple trying to get magazine. I'm, I'm assuming they will now integrate it into the App Store in interesting ways. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Have you guys tried Texture? I have not. Neither I have not either. Mm -mm. Yeah, right now I use, I mean, Zinio, which is mm -hmm. we also where we offer our digital subscriptions, and just the Kindle app. Yeah, is another one where it, where I've used that. So one thing that's interesting, Zinio, who we like you said, sell our digital subscriptions through, as well as having an app, had something they called ZPass, which was a similar concept, and it failed. Actually, it didn't work very well. So. It remains to be seen whether the Netflix model works for magazines. I, I kind of like it. I, I could see myself trying. I always thought about trying out texture, and I like the idea of uh, of tr having a subscription where I can read different articles from different magazines and not being tied to just one magazine. Yeah, me too. Um, so iOS 11.3 is the other news item we wanted to talk about. Usually, usually uh, just incremental updates like this aren't that big of a deal iOS 12 is really what we're looking forward to. But iOS 11.3, the beta version, has actually a ton of new features. And uh, right now, there's they're in the fifth beta for developers. And usually, there's not that many more than that before they have a public release. So we're expecting sometime in March or April that we'll be getting that. So battery performance is one of the big, the big updates that's going to be included with that. There'll be um, some settings added to the settings app. Already, there's a battery section in the settings app, but this will allow you to see your overall battery health and also control whether Apple slows down your phone or not. 
Yeah. And that, yeah. So this is a big one. We had a recent episode where we talked about the whole controversy over Apple slowing down your phone to protect your battery. Now you have control over whether that's happening or not. And you can also see how your battery is doing if you, if it might be time to replace it or not. Uh, it's about time. I'm yeah. so annoyed at Apple with this whole battery situation. I know. I'm glad that they're doing something to address it. Yeah. That they're taking it seriously. Um, but it'll be interesting to see whether people will opt for that, knowing that it could be like speed up their phone but affect their battery negatively. You know, it doesn't seem like a win-win. I mean, what I've had the experience in previous phones, and I think that a lot of people who message us have, where I update my operating system and suddenly my phone gets really slow. And mm-hmm. I think what's happening sometimes with that is that Apple has decided that whatever phone I have is now on their slow down mode, whereas mm. previously it wasn't. Uh, it's like now old enough to slow it down because obviously if I'm updating to a new operating system, my phone's getting a little older. But the point, my point is that uh, my, I wasn't typically having problems with my battery before they did that. So I think they've been kind of, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are kind of in the middle ground where their battery maybe dies a little faster than they want, but is pretty much fine uh that are having experiencing a slower phone from apple so i'm optimistic that it'll solve the problem for quite a few people i think it's really ridiculous that you always have the newest phones and it's really ridiculous that you would experience that with the newest apple phone well yeah i mean typically it's if i i it happens a lot on my ipad to be honest because i have another Uh, ipad um but yeah (laughs) yeah i know i mean i think that Probably by our next episode, uh, iOS 11.3 will have come out. I really would love to hear from our listeners how this affects their battery, but I guess we'll kind of have to wait to ask that question later in case it does come out like tomorrow or something. <laughs> Email us at podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know how this feature works for you. Uh, so other features, there's a new an emoji. There are four new new characters so we've got a lion a dragon a skull and a bear and this is obviously just for iphone 10 users so sorry to the rest of you guys (laughs) who aren't using the iphone 10 um for any of you who don't know the animoji is the how do you even describe it the cartoon of that you create it it basically (laughs) not feeling eloquent it maps your face and so you it pulls up there's different options it's like a robot a chicken or a bunch of different things a unicorn, yeah. and as you move your face, your your lips, uh, as you talk, it'll talk. As you move your eyes, it'll move your eyes, and it's only available on the iPhone 10. Is that yeah, particular that enough? Good. Yeah, but you, you can share it from your iPhone 10 with anyone. Yes, you can text to people, so that's frequently what people do. Do you even Android phones? I I was I when I first got my iPhone 10, I tried it out. I was like, oh, this is so fun. It's more fun than I thought, and then I don't think I ever sent one. I, I've sent a few. Uh, it really upsets my children when I send them because they're like, nice. oh, my God, Mom. <laughs> and uh, I definitely sent one to my boyfriend to be like, I told you you should get an Apple phone. Like, uh-huh. look at what my iPhone can do. And <laughs> for some reason, he was like, yeah, thanks. I'll stick with Android. It didn't convince him? No, he was like, good Lord, what is that? <laughs> that I send them to is my dad because he also got the iPhone 10 and thinks that it's awesome. <laughs> so I know he won't make fun of me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I Um, only make fun of you lovingly, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) So another one is messages in the cloud. This is something that Apple promised with iOS 11. This is what my complaint was. Where where is this feature? Uh, I haven't noticed that on my Mac that when that things are syncing and deleting that I deleted Mm -hmm. on other devices. So with iOS 11.3, finally, when you delete an app on one device, it'll delete on another. You mean a message? 
What did I say? Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm just all over that. That will already. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah's my A little director. rusty here, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> um, it's like one interesting thing is, on one hand, I'm excited about the idea of all my messages being synced because it's really annoying. Like over the weekend, I'll delete a bunch of messages as they come in. Um, I subscribe to a lot of those like political action text message things. And so I get lots of text messages and then I just delete them and and remain inactive. But then I come in on Monday morning and my computer is like got all of these messages not deleted. And that's really annoying. On the other hand, I once, more than once, I have deleted very important text message conversations with images I hadn't saved yet, and I was able to access them on my computer and save them, and now that I won't be able to. So that little backup of, whoops, I just deleted all these important things, I won't have anymore. See, I rarely delete text message conversations but uh, i wasn't doing it on purpose david (laughs) but i mean even in general like even if i get a like a text message from a company that i don't care about i just don't bother to delete it apparently i'm just not someone that deletes things Mm -hmm. uh but when i come in on monday morning i open up my computer it spends the first half hour like playing catch up and i have like all the text message conversations from the last week or the last, for at least from the weekend at least, popping up like constantly. Yeah. And it's like, it drives me crazy. And it's like, obviously, I've seen them, I've responded to them. And so that is what drives me crazy. And the fact that, like I was saying, they take a while to sync with my phone, even when I'm sitting in my computer. So I'll get text messages on my phone first and then my computer. Mm-hmm. I don't have that problem with my iPad. So I'm assuming that once it, the, the message is in the cloud, that that problem will be fixed too. Hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. Because like instantaneously syncing would just be so, so nice. nice. Yeah. It seems like it, Apple should be there. Mm-hmm. And does that mean, let's say, if I log into iCloud.com? from a PC or something, like I don't have access to my phone or Mac, that I could see my text I messages? Because that would be great. I think it means you should be able to send messages from a PC. I think uh, so. As I'm long as you sure. log into iCloud.com. I, that we'll, would be really we'll, cool. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, we recently did an article about that on the site because at the moment it's not really possible. Yeah, a lot of people are searching for it and the answer is you can't. <laughs> Unless you like jailbreak your phone or get some sketchy uh, software that will basically like take over your phone so don't do it don't do it so there are a couple more interesting features one was that um there are only about a dozen hospitals signed up for this so far so it's not going to impact you right away but there are hospitals coming on board to offer your health records through the health app and this could be so basically you would log into your service your supported provider through the health app and be able to see any test you've had done like all of basically all of the information that they have about you And so you could also pull that in from, you know, a lot of times people go to different doctors, go to a specialist and also have their primary care and you could have everything in one place. And that would really, I think this is, you know, as a kind of looking forward type feature is pretty amazing because I think right now the healthcare system, it's not that empowering when you don't know, you don't have all of your files with you Mm -hmm. necessarily unless you really go out of your way. Yeah. Um, you know, our local, like, medical center has that. Um, and I found just even, you know, with, like, my primary care, like, being able to see, like, test results. And, um, you know, sometimes it can take a while for, like, billing to catch up with you. It's about you can just – I can log in and I can see, like, what's going on with my 
you know, my share of my bills and what my test results are, maybe even before the nurse calls me or, you know, um, it's pretty cool. There's a, yeah. re- there's a really interesting Vox podcast about uh, the medical industry, and one of their episodes was on this exact topic. I'll take us on a very, hopefully, short tangent here. <laughs> the the it's the uh, medical records are really fragmented. Basically, mm-hmm. what happened was, uh, as part of the Obama stimulus package, they um, had funding to digitize records. Uh, but what happened was a bunch of companies uh, sprung up, but they don't talk to each other very well, mm. which is why it's so difficult to have one unified record per person. And it's all this crazy stuff happens, like even within one hospital, they'll have to fax each other records and it's a mess. Um, so A, it would be really awesome if that got resolved. And I'm optimistic that like if Apple could pull that off, it would be really really great but b it's really a big problem that's not easy to resolve so i'm a little bit not that optimistic that well actually can pull it off i feel Mm. like going forward you'll just carry your health record with you everywhere which would be great because you know at my age i've lived in you know a lot of different places and i have accumulated quite a medical history at lots of different like hospitals and doctors offices and of course when you move and first set yourself up with a new care provider, you, you know, try to get all your records transferred, but then you go and they're interviewing you and they're like asking you and it's like, you should have my records. Like you should know that I've had this surgery or like this health condition. And, and so we might not benefit from it as much, like in terms of our past health history, but I feel like going forward, there'll be probably a much more uniform, like complete. It, I mean, in the podcast, they record of your health, all the problems it causes. So it would really benefit <laughs> the healthcare industry and the patients, us, yeah. if, it, if they could solve this problem. I think mm-hmm. it'd be great if you included a link to this podcast. Absolutely, in the blog. it's a great the, podcast. Yeah, because it sounds. I want to listen to it. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's. I definitely wouldn't get too excited. Like David said, it's such a complex system. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, unless you live in one of these 12 cities, it's probably not going to affect you yet. But it's still, I think it's cool that Apple's trying to make a difference in this area. Um, the, the last things are not so big. The App Store now with iOS 11.3 will tell you the version number and the update size for apps. So you can make more of an informed decision how much space is this going to take up on my device. Wait, wait, say that again? Um, it'll give you the update size. When you go into update apps in the uh, app store, it'll tell you like how much space that's cool. Yeah, the so update you, will require. So you don't download an app that doesn't take up a lot of space, and then an update balloons and takes up a ton of space. Right, that's yeah. Cool. So that's nice. Um, AirPlay 2 for multi-room audio. That was another iOS 11 thing that we haven't... You know, we've been waiting for it, and I'm wondering if this is going to make a big difference for the HomePod. Well, the thing only that, if you have more than one HomePod. Only if you're a millionaire. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it's. I'm really excited about the idea of having a HomePod in every room, or having two HomePods in one room, and having stereo. I have that with my Libertone Zips, and I love it. But like, it's $350 speaker. How many of them are you going to have does in it, your house? Does it only work with other HomePods? I think it works with other with AirPlay speakers in general, but there aren't a ton of There aren't of that other... many, and they're all expensive well, ones. Well, part of why there aren't that many, though, is that AirPlay has been very inconsistent. So AirPlay 2 is supposed to be a more consistent. Basically, what happens is when you stream, it drops frequently, and then mm-hmm. it's like, what's the point in wirelessly streaming if you can't get through a song? Uh, so hopefully it'll actually, I guess it should help even if you own one HomePod or one AirPlay speaker, because it'll hopefully be more 
reliable, uh, but it, it may also lead to more people choosing to offer AirPlay speakers versus Bluetooth, which I'd be excited about. Hmm, cool. Well, so those are some of the cool things that iOS 11.3 that has to offer. Um, AR kit is one more area that's supposed to be much improved with iOS 11.3. You'll be able to not only place objects on horizontal surfaces, that's something you can do now, but also on walls and, and vertical lines. That there are more, there are more details, but um, that'll be interesting to see as well. Um, we'll definitely ask you guys once it does come out what your experiences are with these new updates. And now moving into our tech mishaps, we have a new section of the podcast we wanted to share with you guys. We've been doing a column in the magazine called Tech Mishaps, and we have readers write in their like really embarrassing stories basically <laughs> we publish them anonymously mails. they're yeah, anonymous we publish them anonymously some of them are our own stories we won't tell you which ones they are <laughs> yeah every once in a while people will be reading them and then like people will be whispering around the office that was david <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um we wanted to add this to the podcast not only because we think you guys will think it's really hilarious but also because you guys might have stories to share too. And you can email and we'll we'll only publish them anonymously, of course. And it's techmishaps at iphonelife.com. So I thought I would share with you guys this one called Awkward Dad Moment. Uh, personally, I haven't made a mistake since before I had a cell phone. However, <laughs> I did receive a text from my dad early one morning that read, I had a really nice time sleeping next to you last night. I responded by saying, I don't know about you, but I slept next to my dog last night. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Oh, man. (laughs) So, you know, it can be something just as short as that, or it could be something more elaborate. Email us at techmishaps at iphonelife.com to share your stories. And uh, now seems like a good time to tell you about our second sponsor, Video Block. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, Video Blocks. Um, if any of you have heard of Shutterstock, it's Video Blocks is like Shutterstock for videos. And basically, if you haven't heard of it, uh, and, and by the record, for the record, Video Blocks also has something called Story Blocks, where they're a Shutterstock competitor. How it works is they have royalty-free videos. And so if you are doing any video editing and we use them for some of our videos, oftentimes you have you you looking for some what they call B-roll. And so just footage that you can use while you're talking. And some of it you can get your, yourself, but some of it is like you want an airplane flying or you want a picture of the globe spinning, things like that, where you need to go and get royalty for images. Uh, Videobox is really affordable. They have a huge number of royalty free videos, uh, and they really make your vi- uh, video production much higher quality. So make sure you check them out, uh, and we will post the link in the podcast notes. Awesome. Next up, we have Apple Complaints and Learning. Um, I can go first. <laughs> I was recently driving home from California mm-hmm. last weekend, as you guys know, and I uh, I did a little comparison of Apple Maps and Google Maps, okay. which in the past I've just kind of unquestioningly used Apple Maps, even though I knew it wasn't the best. But um, one feature that Google Maps has is that you can search along your route for a specific place. Like yeah, there's a search bar. I love so, that like, feature. I wanted to go to Subway, and so I could search specifically for the nearest Subway on our route. Whereas Apple Maps, they did add search along your route, which is nice, but it'll just have – it'll just um, – 
give you an option based on the time of day, saying like breakfast or lunch. And then when you tap that, it'll show you a list of places. But there's no... First of all, it was like mid-afternoon and it was still saying breakfast on my screen. <laughs> and it also, the list of restaurants was like basically missed tons of restaurants that were around me and I couldn't search for Subway. Now, did you find that Google uh, had a comprehensive listing? Because I've had a hard time with this feature in general. And Google I Maps much is not, not perfect. Okay, yeah. yeah. The last time I was in uh, okay. St. Paul... I was looking for a Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, I always The people I was staying with only had instant coffee. I was just like, no, this will not work. That's not allowed. It was showing me coffee shops in Chicago. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. You know, there was a Starbucks like half a mile from where I was staying. Yeah, no, I have the same problem. It tries to take me like way out of the way. Or like it'll be like three hours along your route. It'll be there. And I'm like, I want my Starbucks now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this feature really needs help actually in Google Maps and Apple Maps. But I'd say Apple Maps is worse off. And they should add a search feature. And then it should also just actually show you the restaurants nearby. (laughs) It's a really valuable feature. Yeah, I would really like, oh, I see you have it noted here. Or pause your route. Yes. I really hate the way like you pr- you have to like end your route and then it will still be like return to the route and it's like actually I'm taking a bathroom break. I was going to grab a you know yeah, like, like a drink out. of water yeah. and it's just like it gets really upset. You see it like, it's just like really it keeps rerouting like, yeah. like, like return to the route. Return to the route. Hey, return to the route. And it's like <laughs> um we're getting gas. Relax. <laughs> I know. Uh, neither of those apps has a pause your route feature that I could It'd find. It'd be really useful. Yeah. I have to say I have been late, lately I've been leaning towards Apple Maps over Google Maps. Really? I don't know why. It's sort of like, I feel like it's just like a how I feel in the moment thing. Like if Google Maps fails me one time, I'll switch to Apple <laughs> until it fails me and then I'll go back. They're both pretty standard. I use Apple Maps a lot because I have CarPlay and it works mm, much better. Yeah. But I, I want found CarPlay it so bad. recently for whatever reason to work a little bit better. I've just found, say, when I'm driving in Chicago, which I'm not really familiar with, to know which lane to be in. Yeah. Is really helpful. But they both do that now, don't do they? they? Definitely. I don't know. I've just I been like sticking with Apple, with Apple Maps, Maps lately. I haven't Apple used Google Maps guidance much I'm lately. Really a fan of. I agree. One more side complaint, and this maybe won't surprise anybody, but I was in, I just got back from vacation to Egypt. Apple Maps and Google Maps do not work very well in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> I tried using them Shocking. in Cairo, and it was a mess. <laughs> I, yeah, I can imagine that. Um, one thing I did want to say, just to counter all my complaining, is how amazing yes. Apple Maps and Google Maps are, though, too. Because I like, I have the worst sense of direction probably anybody could possibly have. Is it worse than me? Have we decided? It was it's worse. We do competitions. It's worse. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. Um, sure? I'm close. I'm I was close. in LA recently <laughs> with a friend of mine who also, Marissa, who has a terrible sense of direction. You know her. Yes. You've traveled with her. Yes, so you probably I do have. Know this. I used to. Uh, we. One time we were traveling together and we had motorbikes and I like within a trip like three or four times I'd have to like chase her down on the motorbike to try because she kept turning the wrong way. (laughs) Yeah, we were both just marveling at how we're like, how would we survive in L.A. before we had our iPhones? Because we'll just plug something in. You can just mindlessly drive. It'll even give you lane guidance now. And then you just end up where you're supposed to be. (laughs) And like for someone like me, I have zero concept of where I just drove through. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I can go next because mine, mine is a, on a very similar topic, okay. which is, like I just said, I just got back from Egypt, and whenever I travel, it really reinforces how 
valuable iPhones are to our lives. Because I've been, I, I love to travel. I've traveled long before I had the iPhone. And it used to be before you left the hotel, you had to have your entire day planned. You had to know everywhere you were going. It's like particularly complicated in developing countries or other countries. We don't know it very well. You had to print out. Now I would just leave the hotel. I wouldn't really know my day. And as I went through the day, I'd kind of figure it all out. Uh, and one thing that's really made a huge difference recently is now that the, uh, my iPhone is unlocked, I got to Egypt. In the airport, they had uh, they had a phone stand. I signed up. I had 12 gigabytes of da- data. Guess how much it cost me? How much? Yeah. It was, I think, less than $10. Are wow. you serious? Yeah. It was nuts. Uh, and That's surprising. Yeah. It's so easy. You just swap out the SIM card, and right away you have access to... 12 gigabytes of data when you're traveling. Whereas before, if you try to use your international plan, like $5 a day, five. Yeah. It's so expensive. So that's been really nice. As much as I complained about Apple maps, I did use it. I did get where I need to go. And it was really valuable to have that. It was really nice to be able to research, you know, to look up your itinerary as you're traveling, all of that stuff. So it's at restaurants. It's so valuable having an iPhone while you're traveling, and I, I can't appreciate it enough. So, Sarah, did you have a complaints and learning? Yeah, I was um, trying to, I can't even remember what I wanted to find out, but I was trying to search the web on my HomePod, and you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't, and that's really ridiculous. If you guys missed recent our recent episodes, we did have one, I can't remember the episode number, where... David and Sarah really talked about their HomePod experiences, so you can go check that out. We'll include a link, too. But uh, just quickly, overall, are you still liking your HomePod? Um, I don't know, because I've had a fair amount of experience with um, Alexa and with Google Home, and Apple has a lot of catching up to do. As a speaker, it's amazing. Um but yeah, as a smart speaker, it's it's not the smartest. <laughs> there, I mean, like I'm hoping there will be more functionality added, but it's and it's also, I mean, this is just something I'll have to learn, I guess. But you really have to think about how you phrase things to Siri to get what you want to happen to happen. And there's a lot of things I'm still figuring out. Like um, I wanted to set a sleep timer so that my music would stop playing because in the past I've said hey, Siri, stop the music after 60 minutes, and it just immediately stops the music. It doesn't get past the in 60, to the in 60 minutes part. It just stops. Mm. Um, so I said, hey, Siri, set a sleep timer for 60 minutes. So 60 minutes later, just as I was falling asleep, like a timer went off. Oh, God. And so, you <laughs> <No>. know. <laughs> yeah. That's so frustrating. So, yeah. So I there's a lot of stuff I'm still figuring out. I'm planning to get a sort of like, how to do the basics with your HomePod guide put up on our website yeah, eventually. Um, mostly just so that I can know and that <laughs> then you guys can benefit too. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's been a somewhat frustrating experience using the HomePod. David, you? I, well, I just wrote my comprehensive hands on review for the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's coming out soon. We're going to. Print, I think next week, right? Yeah, in a couple of weeks. In a couple so of weeks. Really, it'll be early April. Okay. We'll have that available yeah. for you guys. And we'll probably try to post it on the website as well. Uh, I also have mixed feelings about it. I I think I've been 
I've liked it more than I thought I would. I found Siri to understand me better than I thought it would in hmm. terms of like, I have a, whenever I say, hey Siri, like my phone doesn't light up. Oh, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Usually it doesn't. I've, I've had my phone, my watch, and the HomePod all yeah, respond. Yeah, that happens to me sometimes too. But in general, even if I'm listening to music, I can say, hey, Siri, and it'll work. Uh, and for the things that it handles, I've had it. I've, unlike Sarah, it sounds like I, I've been able to like get it to do support that pretty well. Hmm. It's just a very limited feature set. Right. The speaker sounds really great, but it probably doesn't sound better than two Sonos Ones, which is what you can get for that same price. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's tricky is, though, I think that the integration that Apple can do with the rest of its ecosystem is really valuable. The ability to send text messages, answer phone calls, control your podcast app. Apple I don't think music. you can place calls with your HomePod, though. Yeah, I think you can. You can certainly you guys should we'll try have it to try it. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can. I feel like I tried, I tried to okay. place a call. Okay. I was experimenting. I you can definitely text message. With it, and you can, if you have a phone call on your phone, you can throw it to your speaker, which is what I've done. Right. Um, I think as those integrations get better, it's going to be well worth it for Apple users, people who have iPhones and iPads, to get the HomePod as opposed to Alexa, which won't ever have the same integrations. But Alexa is kind of more advanced right now. So it puts people who are committed to Apple's ecosystem in a tricky position because Either you're an early adopter, you hope that Apple's updates will apply to the first HomePod, uh, and in the meantime you deal with it, or you kind of just wait. And so I don't think you should buy Alexa, but I'm not sure that you should buy HomePod either. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like, I remember when I first got the Apple Watch, which at this point everyone knows I'm obsessed with my Mm -hmm. Apple Watch and almost never take it off. And never Uh, stop talking about it. Yes, that too. (laughs) (laughs) But... The initial Apple Watch, when I first got it, I was just like, I don't actually know what to do with this. It took me a while. It took Apple a while to kind of get it to a point where it became an essential accessory for me. Yeah, I think it's a good foot forward for Apple. Whether it's enough of a foot forward to justify purchasing it right now, I'm not sure. But I'm actually enjoying it. So if you are an early adopter that is patient with Apple's first foray into it, it's worth it. I, I really like it, but it's... Uh, given where Alexa is, given the price points, it's tough to just like give it a full endorsement. I mean, I yeah. do think that I haven't really taken the time to fully experiment and learn exactly what I can and can't do with the HomePod. And I feel like my enjoyment of the HomePod will increase greatly once I do that. That's a little bit how I feel about the Amazon Echo, which I actually, I have one. Um, I do simple things like set timers, play music, uh, I've done things like the seven-minute workout with it. Like, I've tried to use some features, mm-hmm. but I know there are thousands of skills that I could be testing out. Some of them you can't take advantage of in a small town, like calling an Uber or ordering pizza. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, it does take, it seems like there's more of a learning curve than most people are willing to deal with. Well, it's early days of smart speakers yeah. in general. And so, the val- like, they haven't yet added a ton of functionality. And I agree with you. I have an Alexa Dot that I just never use because I can't think of anything to do with it. And so, the, the 15,000 skills is, so- is maybe a little overvalued given that most of those skills are pretty useless to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe should we make this into our question of the week? Yeah. Have people weigh in on the smart speaker new industry and how they whether they think it's something useful that has promise or how what are your experiences with your echo um or any alexa device versus the home pod 
And I think kind we of an had open-ended this, question. We did have this question and, and we got some responses, but I'm curious now, we're probably a month since the last time we did our home HomePod review. So mm-hmm. if you have the HomePod, how are you liking it now? If you don't, why haven't you bought it or are you planning on buying it? Uh, podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Thanks for joining us. This wraps up episode 79 of the iPhone Life podcast. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everyone. Bye.